The views and opinions expressed on coffee and compatibility are those of the podcast host and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Ashi. Hey there, Ashi friends and family, and welcome to another episode of Coffee and Compatibility. I'm Jeremy Sherrill, and with me are Drs. Eric Weimer and Kelly Hitchman. Today, we're excited to be meeting with Ms. Sharon Adams to talk about her path in HLA and through Ashi. Ms. Adams retired from the National Institute of Health in late 2019. She worked at NIH for over 30 years, managing a fairly complex HLA laboratory. She's actively served ASHI for over 28 years and continues to be very involved, including being a member of several committees. Her past ASHI roles include vice president of operations, various committee chair and vice chair positions, and editor-in-chief of the ASHI Quarterly. Ms. Adams, can we call you Sharon? Absolutely, you can. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for being with us today. We'd like to get started just by asking you, how did you get your start in HLA? Well, it was a lot like people that I know just kind of happened to fall into it. I was trained as a medical technologist and chose a role in blood banking and had a couple of jobs in blood banking and landed a job at the NIH at the blood bank there in Department of Transfusion Medicine. And it so happened that I had found my husband there and was spending a lot of time in the lab that he was working in, which was right next to the HLA lab. And the supervisor in the HLA lab said, hey, um, you seem like you're bored in blood bank. Do you want to learn HLA? And I was like, uh, are you sure you want to train me? Because I didn't learn anything in med tech school about HLA. And there she was like, yeah. And the rest is history because as soon as I started, I fell in love with the field and she offered me a contractor job part-time. And then I went to a full-time position when one was available, quit my blood banking career and started in HLA. And lived happily ever after. Aww. Yes, and exactly. Lived it's happily so ever after. It's such a great start. <laughs> yeah, it really was. It was, it was, I believe it was destiny for many reasons. So it was, it was definitely something that was in the cards. Sharon, I am so interested to know from that type of start in HLA, serendipitous and lovely, you got much more out of it than just a career, it sounds like, which is fabulous. So from that start in HLA, how did you get introduced to ASHI and serving ASHI? So I had, um, so I was, you know, working in HLA and kind of doing my thing, working with a doctor called Dr. Franco Marinkola. And he was at the time getting things started with um, getting our HLA lab on the map and doing things. And he had gone to a couple of ASHI meetings and somehow, I don't know how, but knowing Franco's personality, it was, it was understandable. He came back and he said, hey, Sharon, I have been asked to be the editor in chief for ASHI Quarterly. Could you help me with that? 
And um, so I started helping him. And before I knew it, I was taking on the role of editor in chief and then getting to know people, learning that Ashi was a great community and, you know, looking at all of the professional networking that was available to me when I went to a meeting, when I was on phone calls. And after Franco finished as editor in chief, I ended up becoming the Ashi quarterly editor in chief and then kind of got involved in multiple committees. That's that's a perfect representative experience. You were volunteered and then you volunteered after that. Yeah. And it was <laughs> it was a lot of fun. You know, it, I honestly I was a little scared about the fact that, you know, I was gonna be helping him do these things that were going to be in print and but, you know, the Ashi staff made it so easy for us to handle things. You know, it was like, OK, you've got this deadline coming up. You need to do this, et cetera. And it just made it um, so nice to to have somebody to support those roles and to to kind of guide us along the way. So, Sharon, uh, throughout your experience, what has been your most rewarding moment, do you think? I will have to say that my my most rewarding moment was at the end of my tenure as vice president of operations. Um, and unfortunately, I didn't get to share it with all of my colleagues because we were virtual at that point. We we were in the middle of COVID, um, but we were going through the my last annual business meeting in our virtual annual meeting. And even though we weren't all physically together, sharing that moment with Medhat and several other presidents that I was lucky to serve under, um, it just brought me to tears, really. Just kind of, it was like a culmination of a lot of hard work that we had done not just in my vice presidency, but also just in ASHI in general, in all the committee works that we had done and uh, writing the operations manual. It just kind of like was that moment where I realized, wow, that was a lot of work, but it sure was worth it. Yeah, I think that that is a fantastic point. And just hearing you talk about it, I can hear the the emotion and the passion that you exude for for your you know, stellar career. And I'm, I mean, as not an ex-president, but as someone who admires the effort necessary to achieve what you've done, I'm just going to say thank you. Um, you know, something I think that is, you mentioned that I really want to highlight for our listeners is the concept of being nervous and anxious about approaching something new and out of your comfort zone. And you, you touched on your experience, uh, with Ashi Quarterly. And I'm wondering if you can talk about other experiences that may be in that realm that you've sort of faced head on or talk about some of the most challenging experiences you've had throughout your career. Um, well, that's a that's another tough one because there's been many challenging experiences. I, I'm sure throughout my career. Um, but I, I think I, what I'd like to do is actually address the whole um, anxiety, scared issue when you're dealing with 
coming into an organization where you have looked up to people for so many years and you're trying to make your footprint as not only a technologist, but as an HLA professional, and you're trying to get respect from people that are perhaps have a lot more experience than you or more education. But I think what I'd like to say to that is that, you know, you need to give yourself that talk in the mirror and say that you are worth it. You can do this. Um, it is, it's a challenge sometimes and you have to find the right way to word things, but you're able to do it if you have the confidence to do it. And if you are struggling with that confidence, what I would recommend is that you tack on to that HLA network that's available through ASHI and find someone who is going to help mentor you. You know, we have a great mentor program and, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to mentor a couple of people and hopefully I've given them that confidence to take that next step forward. Um, you know, so that that's one aspect of your question. The second aspect is that, um, you know, what what are some of the most difficult, challenging situations I've come across? And I'm not going to get into any specifics, but I think that um, dealing with strong personalities can be very difficult. And when you are in a difficult situation, the best thing to do, in my opinion, in my very humble opinion, is to step back, put yourself in the other person's shoes, try to see the perspective, and then move on from there. But don't necessarily back down from what your original stance was. Make sure that you're still being heard, but be respectful about it. Yeah, I think that's so important to do. And I, I do think for the most part, we have a very approachable community, um, a community that can really help build confidence. And you certainly, you know, I never see you look not confident. So you certainly found your people in the community that helped if that was ever an issue. Um, and, and so I'm interested to take that and, and kind of lead into, you know, what do you think was your most challenging role in Ashi? You know, did you have a committee that you thought like, wow, like, I can't believe I'm doing this or, you know, a task on a on a committee that you thought, <laughs> I don't know if I can do it, but I'm going to try. Yeah, well, I'll be honest with you, the most challenging and the most rewarding at the same time was my role as VPO. Um, and I remember when. Um, the nominations committee called me to ask me if I would be interested. Um, and I just kind of, my immediate answer was absolutely, because I was so invested in everything that I had done with the board and trying to make sure that those things were moving forward. But then about an hour later, I'm like, uh, what did I just agree to? I am not sure that was a good idea. But it, you know, it was, it certainly took me out of my comfort zone. I was able to, as I said, work under some excellent presidents and also 
work on several task force that I think move the ASHI organization forward professionally. And I think that has always been a passion of mine is to make sure that this organization does not become stagnant, that we are actually the voice of the technologists and the directors that are out there so that we are doing what they need done. Now, Sharon, I think we all know that feeling of uh, asking yourself, what did I just get myself into? Yeah. Uh, we can all sympathize with that. Yeah. Um, throughout your career, how did you uh, stay motivated or engaged with your lab and with Ashi? Um, motivation for me was always about what we were doing in the lab for our patients. And it was making sure that my staff understood that, you know, you work for the patients, their families, and it may not always be the fun road at the end of the day, but that's somebody's mother, brother, sister, father, you know, whatnot. And, you know, it can be hard at times, but, and I, I do believe that, everybody has a different way that they're motivated. And that's something that, you know, as a manager, you kind of have to really pay attention to. Not everybody is motivated by the passion of, you know, what you are doing, but they're motivated by something else. You know, I want a day off. Okay, give them a day off. Um, but I always stay motivated by my patients. And I was always thrilled with the level of change that the HLA field has in that, you know, it is one of the few fields in science where you're constantly learning a new technology and you're having to teach that and use it. So it's it's always was invigorating to me. And it's it's my mantra now, even that I'm retired, do not ever stop learning. You must always be learning. Yeah, the field changes so quickly. You really have to in order to to stay up to date. You have to always be learning. I love that. Yeah. So, Sharon, um, perhaps we can close with this as we have just a, a few minutes left. Uh, what are your thoughts on on how to grow the field in the future? How do we attract uh, technologists to the HLA moving forward? I honestly feel that the best way to attract technologists is by showing the impact that HLA labs have on patient outcomes. Uh, I think it's very important that technologists see that the work that they're doing is just not making the donuts. It's actually impacting what goes forward in a patient's treatment plan. So I, that's how I feel is that if you tie it to that personal effect, you might actually get the passionate people that are really want to be in this field. Do you have any tips on for, for the young ones in HLA that have just started? Maybe they're like a couple months in, maybe they're a year in, maybe they're thinking about using HLA as a stepping stone to something else. Um, how would you encourage them to stick with it and to deepen their involvement and in their practice? So to, to get the, the young person engaged and, and invigorated about staying in HLA and not just using HLA as a stepping stone, 
I think it's important to tie into what what was their ultimate goal? Was it to go into research? Was it to go to medicine and actually show them that there are ways that you can do that in the HLA lab without leaving it? Say you want to be involved in, you know, the what the final plan is for your patient care. And, you know, I can think about multiple people that I helped in this venue at NIH where, you know, they were looking to get more involved in the patient aspect of the treatment plan. And it really was just making sure that you got the correct people talking to each other. And then this person provides information or does some research, et cetera. And I think it's really just engaging that young person so that they realize that the the world is not small and in the same in the black box that you have to think outside the box to really utilize all of their best resources that they have at hand. Well, Sharon, thank you very much for for taking the time and talking with the three of us today. Um, you know, I think you bring a, an incredibly valuable experience. And I hope the listeners take to heart about many of the things that you said about how to stay motivated, how to overcome sort of the universal anxiety, anxious, and uh, appreciate the fact that even someone of your standing still has the, oh my God, what did I just agree to do moment (laughs) that uh, Jeremy said we can all attest to. So thank you again for the time, ma'am. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Well, as you all know, we just celebrated Lab Week once again. Uh, Hopefully your lab had a lot of fun celebrating. I know my lab uh, introduces a lot of fun games during the week. And of course, there's food involved. Anytime there's a celebration in the lab, there has to be free food involved. Um, My lab had a great time playing laboratory apples to apples. Yeah, my lab um, did get to relish the birthday of Dr. Eric Weimer with donuts. They got donuts because of the birthday of Dr. Eric Weimer. Monday was celebratory Eric Weimer donut day in my laboratory. I'm going to start a petition for uh, maybe it'd be a national holiday. National holiday? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Where only people that work in HLA labs don't have to come to work. Could you like slide that part in there? I love it. I'm I'm supportive. I think that'd be great. I think another really important thing that we should throw out there is the Ashi Educational Workshop um, is fast approaching. Everybody, these are outstanding meetings where you get to, they're small enough that you really get to sit with people, get to know people around you, learn from the best and brightest um, in person again. Oh my goodness. Thank goodness. Um, and the the slate for this year um, of faculty looks really, really good. Jeremy, have you gotten to attend any uh, workshops with Ashi? I have. I attended one in San Antonio several years ago, and it was a fantastic event. I would encourage everyone to go, uh, not only for the educational material uh, that's there, but also for the networking opportunities. I'll never forget the some of the people that I met while I was there. Um, and uh, got to start building a network of of friends and connections uh, within Ashi. So it's a great event. Everyone should try to go. Yeah, just like just like we heard Sharon talk about, you know, whereas the the annual the big annual meeting is somewhat intimidating. 
just by the sheer volume and number of people that are there, the, the Ashi educational workshops give you the opportunity to sort of go face to face with just about anyone, um, you know, and that's really the opportunity to, to see where you can set your own path in, in Ashi. Yeah, so folks, to get more information on the upcoming Ashi Educational Workshop, uh, don't forget to visit the website. It is www.ashieeducationalworkshops.com. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on today's episode of Coffee and Compatibility. We will see you next time. <laughs>